0: Welcome to the Lend Academy podcast, episode number 32. This is your host, Peter Renton, founder of Lend Academy. Today on the show, we're doing something a little bit different. We have a bank on. Not just any bank, this is Cross River Bank. And we have Gilles Gade, who is the CEO and founder of Cross River Bank and Adam Gola, who's their VP of Lending. And, you know, I've known of Cross River for some time. And I got to say, in the last 12 months, I see their name everywhere. It seems that every single new platform that's launching a consumer platform, that is, is using Cross River Bank to really help them originate the loans. So wanted to get them on the show, find out exactly what they do. Cause I got to admit, I, I, didn't really know the ins and outs of this, so I learned a lot and uh, I hope you do as well. Enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank
1: Thanks, uh, Peter, Thanks for inviting us.
0: Okay. so let's get started just by giving the listeners a little bit of background about each of you.
1: Uh, my name is Jill Gate. I'm the founder, chairman and CEO of Cross River Bank, a bank that was created about seven years ago. Prior to creating a cost bank, I was involved in the investment banking industry, and prior to that, I was in the venture capital world.
2: Adam Galler, I currently function as the chief credit officer of the bank and oversee the entire lending group. Um, I joined the bank, uh, pro- actually, before launch, more than uh, seven years ago, and uh, currently, via uh, this call, I'm heading up the uh, MPL platform, uh,
0: Growth. Okay, so I guess... Why did you decide to start a bank? I mean, two thousand and eight was it was it two thousand and eight? That's an interesting time to start a bank?
1: Uh, that was uh, I would say in retrospect, it probably was the best time to start a bank. Really? And, uh, starting, starting in uh, with a clean balance sheet and being able to uh, deploy um our capital and um, and our cash in quality assets that uh, had been uh, pretty much cleaned up after the debacle, uh, we pretty much dictated the terms of uh, the loans we were deploying. In addition, we participated in some interesting program, acting a little bit like a hedge fund, in, uh, deploying assets uh, such as in, uh, our capital in assets such as um, SBA pools, MBS, ABSs that uh, were AAA rated and guaranteed by the uh, full fel- faith, and credit of the U.S. government. Um, and we participated in a program called the TAF program, which basically uh, consisted in the government providing 20-to-1 leverage for quality assets, AAA and up. And um, that pretty much provided us with very quick earnings, uh, which out um, of the gate uh, we we managed to turn a profit. I would say in quarter number five, which is uh, quite unusual for in the banking industry.
0: Indeed, that sounds pretty impressive, particularly given the timing. I mean, I think you know people remember back in those days where we wondered whether you know was Citibank going to go under? It was you know it was it was and some of these big banks that. Uh, you know, people were just wondering how it was going to go. So full credit to you for, you know, coming through that strongly. So I guess, you know, you're, you started a bank. I mean, I presume you started a bank without thinking about, you know, peer-to-peer marketplace lending. So when did that first get on your radar?
1: So that's actually a very good question. We, we got acquainted with a platform called Green Sky Credit uh, out of Atlanta, Georgia, which basically was originating loans out of uh, the Home Depot for the at-home service. Which consisted in providing home improvement loans to consumers for renovating kitchens, flooring, sidings, windows and doors, and uh, we were uh, kind of the, one of the first banks to participate in the program. We ended up being the only bank in the program at some point because the first bank that was in the program uh, defaulted the, um, during the debacle during the, um, the credit crisis. And uh, very rapidly thereafter, uh, GreenSky turned around and found another 11, 12 partners, uh, banking partners, and we were overtaken by the volume. We still are very involved with Green Sky, but uh, what that did is that it gave us an acquaintance with and an expertise in uh, consumer credit, that's number one, and number two, with third party arrangements. And I think this is key. Mm -hmm. Um, At the end of the day, the the marketplace lending is a consumer loan, traditional consumer loan. It's now revolving, naturally, uh, but it's still a consumer loan that is underwritten like a consumer loan. Most of the platforms underwrite uh, based on FICO scores. But at the, at the same time, it's also a third-party arrangement. And uh, because we had a, a leg up, uh, thanks to our green sky relationship, we managed to uh, very quickly and rapidly cater to uh, the platforms that were coming to us. So Peerform, I don't know if you've heard of uh, Peerform. I mean, you've probably heard of Peerform Natural. Of course. Yeah, uh, I, know Michael, peer, I know Michael quite yeah. well. So, so my, Michael was actually the first one to knock on our door and say, and he, he was a friend of mine from a prior, prior acquaintance, and and Michael came to us and said, well, why don't you um, partner with us and provide us with uh, the true creditor status that we need to deploy those loans uh, nationwide? And we were very intrigued by the idea. And he said then also, um, you know, there were only three players at the time, uh, Peerform, Prosper, and Naming Club on the consumer side. And he said, and I know know pretty well, and I'll make an introduction. Maybe you could do something with them." And that landed us with, the backup relationship with Renault and Lending Club some uh, four years ago. And we've been a relationship um, of pure form ever since, and, and the rest is history. Then we started accumulating platforms probably in the last two years that accelerated dramatically. And I think today we have something like 14 platforms live, and we have another three to four due to close within the next two months, at least in the first quarter. And then we have probably another five to ten uh, before the end of the year.
0: Okay. So, and I know, Adam, you've been really taking the lead on this in, in your push into this industry. So what is it that sort of demonstrated to you that this was such a big opportunity when there really, you know, there was only three platforms and, you know, it, it, that's not a really, that's not a great business if there's only three customers. So what what made you think, cause this is back, you know, we're talking, what, three or four years ago. So, you know, this is back before the boom. And uh, so what made you really seize the opportunity?
2: I think, you know, to answer your question directly, I think, as Jill mentioned earlier, he has a background in technology from the days invest in investment banking. I think that the bank is part of itself from day one on being very focused on technology. And when you look at technology and you see the way the world is progressing, even in the banking world, you see an opportunity to make everything more efficient through technology. So when you talk about delivering loans to consumers, to businesses, and to real estate, you try to look at technology and say, how can we use technology to make that better? So when you see companies like Lending Club and Prosper you know, utilizing technology with its and offering a better service to customers, to the bank, you know, to our bank, who tries to really pride itself on using technology, it was a no-brainer. We saw, we saw the next frontier was right at our doorstep. So it really wasn't necessarily the marketing or, or, or the companies themselves, although I think they did a great job in acquiring customers, mostly today actually through mail. Um, but it's really the, the platform itself and, and the, the consumer-facing applications that I think made the bank, you know, realize what opportunity existed over here.
0: Okay, so, you know, it sounds like you've got a couple of different Products, shall we say, like you're you're doing backup for a Lending Club, and you're the primary service for like you know 14 platforms. Can you just give us a bit of a rundown of the of how those relationships differ? Uh, I'm, I actually want to go and dig into the weeds pretty deeply here because it's something that I don't fully understand, and I know a lot of people don't fully understand what is the mechanisms that are actually in place that force these platforms to use someone like you. So let's just start off with a Lending Club relationship. Explain how that works.
2: So, lending clubs is, is obviously a very different relationship. As you mentioned earlier, really, we're backup for them. So, we're not actually we're not actively originating with them. For the lending clubs, due to their size, uh, it was necessary for them, particularly as they were going public, to have a backup arrangement with an, another bank. So, that's really the relationship there. It, it would take definitely some time for us to get up and running, but we do have a relationship where we could step in should Web Bank uh, fail to originate or fail to meet their end of the bargain. So, lending clubs unique, and, and maybe we should put them to the side. You know, with regard to the other platforms that we are actively originating for, I think for the most part, from a process standpoint, it's very, very similar in both how we board the clients as well as how we service the clients. We have pretty refined processes and procedures that really dictate how the, how the funds have to move, uh, what accounts need to be set up, what information needs to be taken from them in order to get them up and running. But I think the, it's really the overall process that I think has made uh, or allowed the bank to get or to add these platforms to such a you know, prolific pace. With regards to the different industries we're in, you, know, you mentioned earlier that you know, Lending Club is sort of a generic term for, for consumer loans, but there's other platforms that are really focusing you know, their, their efforts in, in very specific markets, so, you know, whether it be a wedding finance or whether it be social finance or, or it could be point-of-sale finance or it might be in solar. So I think that you know, the, the platforms are really identifying themselves merely more from a marketing standpoint, more than from a, a process standpoint vis-a-vis the bank. From a bank standpoint, it, it might matter uh, when you talk about credit risk what area they're in, or it might matter when you talk about if there's security on the loan, like, like it would be in solar or in, um, let's say, auto finance, but with regard to how the bank you know, boards and, and looks at these clients, and then obviously services these clients, there are a lot of similarities in process.
0: Okay, so let's, let's just dig a little bit deeper here. So... Let's just say, you know, XYZ platform originates a loan, you know, to a, you know, investors are invested in a loan, a borrower does the application, they've got a loan, they pass it to you guys. What happens exactly then? Like, do you get a, I presume you get a, you get a, you get a data file daily or hourly or whatever, but exact, can you explain the exact process of what you do once you've got this borrower from XYZ platform?
2: Yeah, so so on a daily basis, you know, obviously the platform is up and running. On a daily basis, based on the pre-approved or predetermined criteria that the bank has presented to its board of directors, the sponsor, we'll call them in this case, or the platform, originates loans. They then send us a data file, uh, a standard data file, which we, we give to them before they start. And based on the data file, the, the bank then scrubs those files to make sure that they adhere to both internal criteria as well as have all the required documentation, like the notes, the identification, things of that nature related to AML and other other regulations. Once the bank has determined that the file is clean and ready to fund, the bank then sends out its own funds directly to the borrowers through ACH. The borrowers receive the funds, the bank for the most part, in most cases, would then uh, originate the loan, hold the loan on its books for anywhere from two to three days in most cases, while some are a little bit longer. And then sell the loans back to either the platform themselves, meaning the sponsor, or one of their investors. In a nutshell.
0: Okay, so the investor money that the people have put in that never comes to you. So you, 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 are you saying you originate the loans with your own capital, and then you get paid back after the fact?
1: Yeah. To be very clear,
2: the bank always originates the loan with its own capital. There, there might, there, in some cases, there is a full collateral account or a partial collateral account with a corresponding balance that, that equals the uh, loans to be funded plus so the loans outstanding, but the bank is always using its own funds, not the lo- funds in the collateral account to fund loans. Obviously, you know, we, when it comes to talking about true creditor, the bank has to use its own funds. The fact that we have some protection to make sure those loans are purchased to, in the form of a collateral account, whether it be a one-to-one ratio or a one-to-four ratio, that's obviously a, a protection for the bank, but that's not how the bank funds its loan. I, I want to touch on something earlier, you know, when the bank looks at the loans on a daily basis, uh, it's not a completely manual process. The bank um, has a lot of technology that it uses, both you know, on the AML side as well as on the uh, document review side. That it both has already implemented and is continuing to implement to, to make to create more efficiencies in reviewing these, these documents. Obviously, as we add platforms and as each platform adds volume, it's going to be very important for the bank not to have to hire either one person or sort per platform or per two platforms. The bank plans on scaling the technology, and that's a very important part of what we're trying to accomplish.
0: Okay, but so if you if you have, yeah, you know, say you get, I mean, it's probably not there yet, but you know, lending clubs up to you know close five hundred million dollars a month, that's that starts to get real money. I mean, is is you know, are you do you have enough capital um, to? Um, I'm sure you've thought about this, obviously, to really sustain a boom. And say you get ten times the size you are now with your transaction volume, does that impact you as far as capital goes?
1: We do have enough capital right now to be able to grow the the, uh, the activity to close to 10 billion dollars standalone. In addition, is that, is that an annual? Are, is that an,
0: that's an annual number? you?:
1: or a month? that's an annual number. Oh, number. So okay. that means it's close. It's, uh, it's actually closer to 11 billion with our current capital. Okay. So that means close to a billion dollars a month.
0: That's that's that's, um, that's well over what Lending Club and Prosper are doing right now.
1: Yeah. That's right, and then and then we have a bank holding company that we haven't tapped into yet. Um, with the ability to raise equity, I mean actually debt at the bank holding company level, and you can push back that debt as Tier 1 capital downstream to the bank, which would increase our capital to a point where we can actually have excess uh, marketplace lending origination capacity to $30 billion annually.
0: Okay, so that should so, last uh, you for a little while.
1: <laughs> that's right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So uh, <laughs> we're, we have no no capacity problems here. That's okay. not the, that's the least of our problem.
0: So you don't have to give exact numbers, but can you, can you explain how you make money in this industry, in the marketplace lending industry?
1: Um, sure. There are, there are two ways to make money. Number one is to charge a fee per loan, and that fee varies anywhere between 20 bips to 100 bips on the loan amount. And the second way is while we're holding the loans on our books, we uh, collect the interim interest. So if the note um, rate is at 14%, for example, we collect that 14% for those two days that we're holding the loans on our books. In addition, what we started to uh, to do about six months ago with uh, Marlette particularly, and we're very excited about it, and I think we're coming, um, we're coming out with it now in a big bang, in a big way on your pro- podcast, and we're going to plan on, on writing an op-ed that hopefully you'll be able to post on your blog and it's the fact that we are holding loans on our balance sheet. And this has two effects and two very important consequences. Number one, it adds revenues to both us and the platform because we're sharing on the, uh, the, 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 uh, the revenue, the income derived from holding loans on our books. So instead of um, sending the loans to a hedge fund, for example, and foregoing most of the interest and retaining the servicing fee, uh, we're willing to act a little bit like a warehouse lender for the platforms and sharing in the revenue of the upside of the um, the interest above and beyond the charge offs and the cost of funds, um, we started doing that with mallet it 's working out very very nicely and the second point that I would like to make that is really of consequence, I would say is the fact that this really add uh, adds a lot of teeth to the true creditor status because if you 're putting your money where your mouth is you 're not only saying i 'm holding the loans for two days but uh, in addition, I really believe in the platform to a point where I'm actually taking 10% of the loan origination on our books and holding it. So these are the various ways in, in which we're making money on these platforms.
0: So how long are you holding it, the, the, the 10% you're talking about? What's, what's your time horizon?
1: So technically, it's held to maturity. However, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to start uh, securitizing or selling pools of loans to in the secondary market, uh, probably starting in the next 60 to 90 days. Very Um, interesting. Once we accumulate accumulate a critical mass. So this hasn't been done at the bank level yet. It's been done by people like Eaglewood or Granite and others, uh, uh, BlackRock recently. Uh, But it hasn't been done at the bank level. And and the very attractive thing for the platforms here is the fact that we're going to share in the revenues of uh, even the residual on the securitization model.
0: That is a very interesting, uh, very interesting development. I, I was not aware of that, and I think, uh, you know, it's you. You will certainly be breaking ground there. So, is that going to be with MarLED initially, or can you share?
1: Uh, sure, it is. It has been with MarLED for the past six months, and uh, we intend on on offering that to a couple other platforms that we really like. And uh, so, basically, the way we select the platforms that we're going to do this with is uh, we have our own um, rating uh, system of the platforms internally based on the due diligence package, the servicing expertise, the uh, the capital adequacy, uh, the uh, the backers, the VC um, uh, backers uh, behind the platform, the, the experience of the management team. So we put all these basically into a, a big soup and what comes out, and it's more qualitative than quantitative, by the way, but what comes out is basically the platforms that we select to participate in this program. And we dedicated a, a part of our balance sheet and basically the big message here that is very important, uh, uh, Peter, for you to relay is the fact that we're in this industry to help it and to invest as much as the platforms are invested in it. It's not just a way for us to the charter and to make a quick buck along the way. It's truly to invest fully and to prepare our balance sheet, to position our balance sheet to assist those platforms to be able to grow and uh, to fulfill their aspirations. I think there is tremendous growth potential here. And, um, I fully embrace uh, Renault's vision for the past uh, three to four years. He's been screaming it. And now we're starting to see the fruits of um, of his labor. And all the platforms that are participating in this endeavor and this this intermediation business, we're here to help it, not to hinder it or to compete with it. So, in our way, that's how we're we're trying to participate in this growth by putting to contribution our full, uh, you know, strengths of our balance sheet and our capital.
0: Okay. I think, I think that message has been received loud and clear. That's, that's, it's great to hear. I think, uh, you know, I think the industry needs a proactive bank like you involved. And now I, I want to dig further into the weeds a little bit and uh, I want to get into banking regulation and, uh, lending regulation in general. Why can't Lending Club or anyone else, any other consumer platform, why just can't they originate the loans themselves without, without help from you? What's preventing that?
2: The reality is they can. That's the simple answer, right? If they, were, if they wanted to, they wanted to go license themselves in every state and be subject to both state regulators as well as the CFPB for complying with all the state regulations they could. I think that the platforms realize that there are certain states in which that would be very difficult to do so, and not and to mention the manpower required to maintain those licenses as well as handle the audits that would be required of them. I think from a simplicity standpoint, when you think about what they do best, which is customer acquisition, technology, I think that it's in their best interest to, to use a bank. For the most part, you know, depending on a bank, it doesn't really cost them a lot from, from the revenue of the loan. And I think that the, the bank brings a to of table in both, I think, offering not only its charter, but also legit- legitimizing the loans you know, vis-a-vis the borrowers. I think a borrower receives a loan from a technology company, certainly doesn't look at it the same way they look at it from a bank. So I think there's multiple advantages that, that using a bank brings to the table. I think one is vis-a-vis compliance, two vis-a-vis regulators. And three, I think even client facing, I
0: think for the client, I think probably very helpful. Okay. So, you know, you're obviously a federally chartered bank. You're, does that mean you have lending licenses in all 50 states? I mean, what, what is, are you, do, have you had to go through this process? Cause I mean, imagine, I mean, when you started off, you, you just, you're based in New Jersey and you're focused on New Jersey clients, I imagine. But what, so what is the, the licensing process that you've gone through?
2: We're actually we're a state chartered bank. We're we're like we're, we're chartered in the state of New Jersey, but we're FDF-team insured, which allows us to lend nationally. Okay. And not only lend nationally, but also export the bank's state rate nationally. That means thirty percent for consumers and 50 percent for businesses. I think that you know that's what allows us to participate in, in that key state model.
0: Okay. Okay. So the, so the so there the was thirty percent APR is the is the maximum in New Jersey for consumers. That's right.
1: Okay. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Which is fairly favorable. Naturally Utah is uh, more favorable than that at 36%. Right. But the, most of our platforms actually all of our platforms are satisfied with the 30% rate. Particularly there there are competitive pressures on the pricing today on the, on the rates to be able to gain access to certain consumers. In addition, there's going to be a stigma to uh, you know the higher the rate naturally the more the, the bigger the stigma. So the most of the platforms i have expressed the uh, the interest and, the, um, and uh, the willingness to stay within an interest rate that remains under the radar in terms of stigma, in terms of scrutiny.
0: Right, right. Yep, yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, you mentioned Utah, which we know Webbank uh, has had the relationship with Lending Club and, and Prosper almost from, you know, since they had to go through SEC registration. How are you different to Webbank? And uh, do you have a relationship with these guys?
1: we don't I mean, we have an open dialogue um i, I we respect uh, those folks a lot naturally they were the first uh, they they benefited from the first mover advantage we're following in their in their footsteps and we're catching up uh, somewhat i hope um <laughs> but in the meantime it's a, it's a healthy competition i think that we we both play right now in a very different, different very different market they naturally have the big uh, the two 800 pound gorillas in the firm and, and prosper and a couple of others we have uh, pretty much everybody else enjoying that uh, that dynamic I, I think the market naturally will evolve in the future but in the meantime I think we've we really learned a lot from uh, from them and from um, their the being you know a bellwether in this market in terms of how to properly bank uh, those platforms and uh, we looked at their work papers way back then we looked at uh, a lot of things that they had accomplished and uh, I could only say that um, it's a good thing that they were here first and we managed to uh, just piggyback on their knowledge. Right,
0: right, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So I wanted to just uh, switch gears a little bit and I wanted to talk about the, the platforms you're currently working with. Now, you mentioned Marlette as the market, you know, they're a marketplace lending platform, that's, you know, they're doing great, they're fairly new, but can you share some of the others that you that people might recognize?
1: Sure, I mean, there are, there are a few that are, have been made public. I mean, they, they themselves uh, made a relationship public such as Upstart, Affirm, dollars first, vouch, peer form, naturally. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that uh, that's about it that we can disclose. And, okay. uh, there are a bunch of others that are fairly active. That uh, I'm, I'm just going to talk in, in broader terms. They're, they're in, in diverse areas that Adam mentioned before, which is debt consolidation, naturally, And then there are a few um, other platforms in the um, debt settlement business and um, as well as the solar installation business and a couple of others.
0: Okay, so do you have you know, small business lending platforms as well, or is it is it mainly the consumer, apart from like the solar, which I guess is small business?
1: No, uh, we're predominantly a consumer shop. However, we already have two uh, small lending platforms, so uh, small business lending platforms, and, uh, and there are a few others that are existing that have expressed interest in talking to us. Uh, so we're exploring, we're trying to... Um, to better our compliance as well as procedures, internal procedures to handle those platforms because they're naturally very different animals and the, uh, the compliance requirements are very different.
0: Right. Right. So let's, let's just imagine I've got, a, you know, I've got a new marketplace lending platform and I, I'm getting going and uh, I, I need someone like you to, to help me. What kind of due diligence do you do on, on new platforms that come to you?
2: I mean, it's everything from review of management, resumes, and, and, and board of directors to looking at projections and, and looking at their policies and procedures and compliance knowledge. And it's really a full review. and it's a, it's a, it's a, Like I said before, it's a pretty rigid slash refined process and, and, and relatively standardized. But it, If you want, we can drill down on any particular area, but it's, it's really looking at the full breadth of both management and the platform itself. Uh, we do a deep dive into their, their credit algorithm to see who their target market is, how they plan on acquiring borrowers, um, and really, you know, how they plan on, on achieving
1: scale.
0: So, do you, I presume when a platform, a startup platform comes to you for the first time, they, they don't have all their ducks in a row. I mean, have you, like, I presume you, you, you go through this process back and forth for some time. I mean, what's a, what's a typical time frame for this process?
2: Typical would probably be 90 to 120 days. The, the minimum would probably be 60 days, and then there are some that took uh, up to a year to get up and running. We, we, try, we try to avoid that, but you know, I, I think the, the two areas that we see uh, that, that companies lack the most experience in, I think naturally is compliance. And then I think that from a process standpoint, I think that the other part is, is maybe not, not unrelated. Um, it's just getting the back office operations you know, in order to, to, to work with the bank. Most of these companies have very, very highly skilled technology uh, programmers, uh, very strong APIs and algorithms. But you know the areas that you know the banks focus on are less on the technology, not except for the security, obviously, but less on the technology and, and more on the compliance and regulatory matters.
0: Okay, so let's just dig into the compliance a little bit. What do you see as the you know what are the the compliance hoops that these new platforms have to have to jump through?
1: I think the, uh, the 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 issue is not really on them. It's more on the nature of the monster. I mean, AML compliance, I would say, is is probably the most difficult area to comprehend. And even if you have a very strong AML or BSA compliance officer on staff, you're still going to have a lot of difficulty setting up a compliant program. And the reason is because it's all gray areas. It's very difficult to pinpoint exactly what... Uh, your level of uh, checking are going to be until you test the program. So that's why we have a two-pronged process. What we do first is that we get their policy audited before they even start to write the first loan and then six months down the road we get their program audited by doing um, transaction testing. And that has uh, worked in our favor. It has worked very very nicely uh, because we provide comments on, on the policy and procedures And then they manage to fine-tune their process. And when they're ready to launch, they actually have a process that is almost, I would say, 100% compliant, but not quite. And we catch the mistakes within the first six months. So this is is basically a proactive uh, way of approaching the whole matter, which has made the uh, regulators in general very comfortable with the whole concept of uh, marketplace lending.
0: Okay, so do you ever... Talk, talk with a platformer who is just so bad and so far behind that you just say, look, you know, you, we can't work with you. Does that, does that ever happen or do you always, you know, find a way to kind of bring them on?
1: It really takes a lot for us to say no, to be honest with you, because we have a tendency. I mean, I, I, as a former tech banker, I really feel for those companies, particularly in areas they're not familiar with. And we want to help them basically grow in what they're experts at and let us handle the compliance to some extent, but they still have to have the controls in place. So it really takes a long time for us to say nobody that has happened. Listen, we, we signed over 84 NDAs, uh, non disclosure agreements, since the last landed, which was about uh, 10 months ago. Wow. That's a lot of platforms that yeah. we look at. Yeah. And we only signed up 17 altogether, 14 are live, and uh, another three to four uh, you know, that are going to come live in the next couple of uh, months. So that means that a lot, of fall, a lot of them fall by the wayside. Right. There are naturally some that go to other banks. I mean, I'm, I'm not aware of many banks doing what we do on a grand scale. There are always banks that do one-offs and, and um, you know we welcome those endeavors. But the vast majority of those platforms have fallen by the wayside just by the sheer fact of the extensive compliance module that we impose on them. And number two, the due diligence package is humongous. Right. And those two factors have weeded out the platforms that are now ready to approach this market on a grand scale.
0: That's, that's really interesting. I guess one, one question to follow up with that. What is, what's the cost for you guys to start this process? I imagine you're not doing this for free. It sounds like there's got to be some cost to you to, to start this process, right?
1: Well, we, again, we put ourselves in their shoes and, and particularly in the shoes of the VCs that are backing them. And it's very difficult for a VC to put $2 million in a platform and to say, okay, the first million is going to be spent on, on a banking relationship. It's not going to work. And, right. and, and, and particularly if they're not prepared for that and they haven't managed the VC's expectations. So what we do is that we charge a, uh, an, in, an inception fee or a due diligence fee of $25,000. That's pretty much a flat fee okay. uh, across the board. And then, um, I mean, naturally it varies if the platform is much bigger than that. But we're not going to go above 50000 hours, I would say. And then um, the ongoing process is usually subjected to a minimum fee. Uh, but again that minimum fee is very reasonable and um, we want to invest in the platforms and we'd rather back end that fee than front end it
0: right so you're obviously if, if you're spending you know 120 days or, or or more on a due diligence process and you're charging 25 grand i mean that's a you're losing money on that on that operation i, I imagine but you're making it up on the back end
1: that's right, right. and uh, we we're pretty good at this stage i mean not uh, you know in your space, but at this stage having looked at 84 platforms over the past 10 months we're pretty good at uh, identifying the, uh, the, the guys that are very solid, the management teams that make sense, the business plan that are sound. So we, we, are, we can identify the platforms we want to engage in. So that has helped us in pricing ourselves uh, within market and uh, accordingly with, uh, within the, um, the platforms that we believe that are going to be the winners of tomorrow. Or at least the winners over the next couple of years, so that we can recoup some of that cost—the inception cost that we invest in the platforms—to mm-hmm. begin with. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. So I know you guys were at Lendit Europe in uh, November, Adam. I, I we had a chat there. I I'm curious as to why you were there. Do you have international expansion plans? I mean, you know, why go to London to really meet platforms there?
1: So that's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Peter, you don't miss uh, anything. Um, <laughs> uh, that's what makes you the expert in this industry. I, th- this actually had a, a little bit of a different purpose. So first of all, we'd like to see and to know that platforms that intend intent on coming to the U.S. because we're well positioned to help them out. Right. Number two, we, we, the other side of the balance sheet, which is the, the deposit side, we, we have very neat technology-based transaction platforms. I would say on the ACH front and also on real-time payments. So there's a whole spectrum of uh, the fintech industry that we're exploring and also uh, delving into. For the past couple of years, we have our own team of developers that have developed some pretty neat technologies that assist peer-to-peer or uh, marketplace lending platforms and peer-to-peer payments platforms. So in addition to, again, that's going back to that expertise in in the third-party arrangements, we're now putting our contribution and our knowledge to exploring relationships with international platforms that need an international payment solution and a very fast payment solution. And that's, that's um, our interest in this industry as well. That is,
0: that is really interesting. I'd love to delve into that, but I, we're, we're running out of time here. So I just, I guess, are you, like... I, can, can you just give the listeners a bit of an indication of like how much of your bank's resources and attention is going to marketplace lending now versus the traditional you know bank loan deposit taking retail type banking operation and as far as like revenue and and that kind of thing
1: uh, I would say fifty percent fifty percent okay
0: okay, so you know if, if we were your future plans I mean obviously you touched on it there Adam, but just for the for the marketplace lending l- lending platforms specifically, you know, is your plan just to keep adding adding new ones becoming the, the goliath of the space? <laughs> what what are uh, the plans?
2: We'd, we'd like to try to add new partners, obviously strategically, not just adding partners for volume um, or just to have them under our wings, but and I think we'd, we'd like to try to identify who the, you know, who, who the winners will be and, and try to help them grow. I think that there's a lot of opportunity and it's a very big market that can be shared by a lot of different companies. I think the bank, you know, has done and will continue hopefully to do a good job of identifying who the uh, companies are who can be successful with, you know, requisite knowledge in in all the areas mentioned earlier, whether it be technology or or, or banking or compliance.
0: Okay. Well, uh, on that note, I really uh, appreciate uh, your time, gentlemen. It's been fascinating. I've learned a lot and I hope the listeners have as well. Thanks a lot.
1: Thank you, Peter. Peter. Have a good day. Okay.
0: See you. Okay. Well, that was uh, fascinating to me. I certainly learned a lot. I now have a much better understanding of the exact pieces of the relationship between banks like Webbank and Cross River Bank and the platforms. I see what a great service they provide, uh, particularly Cross River, I think, who is sort of implanting themselves uh, right in the middle of the ecosystem here and are doing a great job of you know, providing added value to platforms. So, anyway, I uh, hope you enjoyed the show and I will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.